Listener Production. KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast. The Yulukut Wollum clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the KickPod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. One, two, three, Hello. Hello there. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in such a good mood this morning. Are you? Yeah. That's wonderful. Is yeah. it because we're recording the podcast? It's because we're here. It's because I'm with you. So nice. There's a few other reasons too, but it's good. <laughs> and it's we just good. came back from Byron. Yeah. Did wow. you have a good time? It was so nice. It was such a good time. And it, anytime we get to be in touch with the community in person, I feel like I just feel my cup is full for, for weeks afterwards because they're just such amazing people. We're so lucky. We are, aren't we? What type mm. of cup? Like, oh my God, don't bring this up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> People who haven't read that. You have, be to, like, you have to say now. Oh, okay. So one day on my stories, I'm going to try and breeze over this, but I spoke about my cup being bloody full. And in my mind, that just meant like, you know, I'm full of joy because my cup was bloody full. The people were confused. Oh my gosh. Apparently, someone picked it up and thought I meant my period cup, which A, I don't use period (laughs) cups, but I absolutely did not mean that my period cup was full and I don't know how anyone misinterpreted that. So that is what Laura is referring to. (laughs) Moving right on. How did you find Byron? (laughs) Good. And I have one thing I just had to shout out. It's a shout out for myself, really. A shout out for yourself. (laughs) Shout out for myself. Okay. So we, on the last night, Mm. we went to a dinner together. And Harvey was there. We were sitting right next to the table that was setting up a jazz band. Oh, yeah. And the speaker was next to my ear, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like a grandma being like, oh, we are very close to the yeah, music. Yeah, you kept looking at me like, should we, should should we, we move? move? <laughs> <laughs> and it's 6 p.m., right? Yeah. It's not like it's 11 and we're trying to go to sleep. Yeah. But I was like, oh, it's going to be loud. It's going to be loud. Oh, and I, I just, I saw the band setting up and I was like, I don't think this You judged is gonna, the book by its cover, did, didn't you? I did. You did. But then they started playing and they were this fantastic group of older men yeah. playing jazz and yeah. it was just divine and lovely yeah. and wholesome and it was fantastic. Anyway, I had so much fun dancing, yeah. in my mainly in my seat. I got up a little bit and danced with some kids. Yeah, it wasn't Harvey, some other kids. Because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't just stay down. And then the band had an, inter, do you call it like an intermission? Yeah. They had a breakdown yeah, dinner, a break. basically. Yeah. And this, we were talking to one of the people in the band who was a surgeon by day. Yep. Jazz band by night. Yep. Amazing. And then this man came over to us from afar. Yeah. Someone else who was in the restaurant. Yeah. And he complimented the man from the jazz band. And then he looked at me and he pointed at me and he said, you have rhythm. <laughs> You cannot be kept in a box. <laughs> yes, no, no, because he said, you've got rhythm. And I was like, you know what? There hasn't been many people that have said this to Laura. And he's like, no, don't let anyone ever keep you in a box. Oh, my God, it was amazing. So don't, don't keep me. <laughs> you, I love that you're bringing this up. You're going to hold on to that compliment forever. I will. Yeah. yeah, I cannot be controlled. That's yeah. what he said. You just need to get up yeah. and let it out. And anyway, so I was like, yeah. I got rhythm. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I don't have a lot of rhythm, but that was a highlight for me. I, yeah. Another thing okay. for you. Have yeah. you been watching the Commonwealth Games? No, I watched, I've watched <gasps> like snippets of it, not all of it. You're not supporting our Australian <laughs> athletes. Oh my God, throw me under the bus, <laughs> why don't you? Jesus. So I have a question for you. What have you watched? Just a little bit of the swimming. Okay. So, oh, I don't know. Do you see yourself as a oh, swimmer? Oh, actually, I saw some of the running when I was at your house. Yesterday. Okay, sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> amazing, amazing. So I wanted to know, and yeah. I would love to hear from everyone as well listening, do you ever watch the Commonwealth Games and just for a minute, and I want to also say before I say this, gonna, I understand yeah, I how hard it is, right? Yeah. I'm not taking away from the this fact that competitive athletes train nature. every day, right? I, know what you're I don't know if it's competitive nature. I think it's just believing in myself, right? So I'm watching the running. I'm watching the 800 meters. They're running like 26 kilometers an hour, which is like rather hectic. Yeah. Also with the marathon, I feel this. Yeah. And I think to myself, just for a few seconds. That you could do that? If I started training right now, <laughs> could, I, could I make it to, what are we in, 2022? Yeah. Two. Can I, could I go to 2026? Could I make the job? You know Obviously what, Laurie, not. anything you set your mind to. No, I, I couldn't make it to the Commonwealth Games unless it was a very niche sport. Like what? What? I'm sorry. No, because, I'm sorry, but your hand-eye coordination yeah, true. is not great. If it's not running, <laughs> it's nothing, honey. <laughs> What would yours be, honey? <laughs> I don't know. Something random like discus. I feel like I just randomly be good at something like yeah, that. Yeah, strong. Like, no, like, I think you're strong, but you had to be like really strong. <laughs> anyway. This, this kind of energy from you comes up every time yeah, there's I know. something like the Olympic Games or the Commonwealth Games. Obviously, yeah, I like, enjoy it. I support our athletes. When someone asks you that question of, you know, what, what happens, you know, after kick, if there is an after kick, it's like, I'm going to be. A mature athlete. <laughs> Is that what you're thinking? Do you know marathon runners? Yeah. They, I think they peak at like 40, so. So you've got time. But they also run like three minute, 30 kilometers of 42. It's it's hard. There's a lot of training. But anyway, I did, I did for a second think that I could qualify into the 800 meters. <laughs> 2026. Oh gosh. Okay. No, I've never, ha- I've never felt that. I've never watched the Olympics <laughs> and thought to myself, I could do that. What's wrong? I feel like it's normal. Tell me mm. I'm normal. You know when I have felt it? When I watched, um, what's it? Is it Stick It? The gymnastics <gasps> movie? Yeah. And I, I was like, I never what? felt it with gymnastics. <laughs> that would be really cool to be good at. <laughs> but that's it. That's as far as that thought went. Well, mm. now you have got a surprise for me. Oh, it's a not quick... a surprise. Don't like. Oh, well, that is a surprise. I don't, I mean, I I don't know what it me. is. So what <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So a little update, um, which I'm very proud of myself that I've been able to keep this from you. Oh, what is it? Oh, and also, I know my mum listens to all these podcasts, so mum, you might want to skip forward a couple minutes. But um, that makes it hard, doesn't it? Do what? My mum listens to it. Yeah, I'm how, like, oh. how much you share? I know <laughs> it's all right. Not she that knows. We obviously tell our mums everything, but just like some of the not stuff. everything. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not what I'm about to say, but now she's about to find okay, out. Okay. Um, when so- do you breathe yourself? <laughs> <laughs> So Josh and I, and I wonder, Laws, if you've ever heard of this, but Josh and I are in the middle of the 30-day intimacy challenge, aka 30 days of sex. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Your laughter's then. Are you? You're like, you guys? Yeah, we are. Why? Yeah, would we're you on do like that? day like 13. Why would you do that? <laughs> Aren't you tired? Okay, so... I wanted to bring it up, but I also, like, we're halfway. So I'm sure I'll have more to talk about it once. So we're can you define finished. the challenge? So what it is, is literally for 30 days straight as a couple, you have to be intimate every day. Is it like kiss or more? Is it what? Do you have to have sex? Okay. Well, so the way we've defined it, to just get into the nitty-gritty detail, shall we, <laughs> is um, <laughs> further than kissing, but doesn't necessarily have to be all the way to sex if you can read okay. between the lines. <laughs> Because, you know, that's a lot. Anyway, but like you mentioned the other, the week about you and Dalton, like, you know, we're tired and there's some dry spells and everything like that. But for us, I don't know about you guys, but whenever we are intimate, 
it just makes everything else better. As in like, as much as I sometimes hate to admit that because sometimes I just can't be bothered and it's like, no, I don't want to do it. But I, I know that when I really think about it, when we are close and intimate like that, everything else is better. We get along better. We're just more cuddly just throughout the day and we're nicer to each other. And so I think for us, it was just like a bit of a reset. Had no idea how it was going to go. Um, it's been really hard. Like, what, I'm not going to admit. It's not Okay, it's what not time? Easy. I have, I've got a lot of questions. That is our biggest problem. I am, I am thinking if that challenge… Was to be you? Probably. Sorry, don't. Like, I just <laughs> couldn't. I don't it's know. Hard. It's a lot. It's it is hard. a I'm lot, like, there, right? There's been days where we've been… It's been the end of the day. Does it feel like, a, like oh, I'm doing this workout challenge? Yeah, it's like a task. Like, oh, I've got to get like, it oh. done. It's, it, there is nights where it's a full-on task. Are you ticking it off on an app or something? No. How did you even no. know about it? I think I'd seen it online before. Josh had seen it online and he was the one that brought it up and was like, we should try this. Oh my God, I love it. Okay, yeah. so what time do you schedule it? Yeah, okay, so we need to. I think for the rest of the challenge, we're going to be a lot smarter about getting it done in the day because there's been a few nights Wait, now. while you're at work, is going to come in? No, not <laughs> those days. Oh my gosh. But like there's been a few days where we might have an argument at night and it's like, fuck, now we have to have sex as well. Like, that's well and good, isn't it? And like, it's just... <laughs> I could not be so good with it. And it's so funny because because we know we've like committed to it and we really want to do it. At the start, we'll be like, nah, nah, we're not doing it. No way. I don't want to do that. Nah, I'm not even talking to you. But it's like in the back of our minds, we really, we really want to do this for each other. And so like you just work through whatever you're working through and then it happens and then you're in like a really good mood before you go to bed. Anyway. That is <laughs> a so lot you do of information. It before bed. Yeah, more often than not, it's the end of the day. Well, but we're trying it's to like fix that. Five AM, which is just like Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. But I'm sure I'm gonna probably wanna talk more about it when we finish because I'm I'm interested to see if it gets easier or harder or I don't know what comes from the rest of the challenge. Has it got easier at any point? There's just some days, as there is without a challenge, that you actually genuinely really feel up to it naturally. Yeah. Without it being a task. So yes, there's been times where it's felt easier. Um, and it has felt like more of a habit, I would say. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> like routine. But it's still hard. I really don't like you right now. Why? Because Dalton is going to listen to this. Oh, yeah. 100%. He is going to suggest it. And I yeah. am going to say I'm just not wanting to do it. <laughs> because it's a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, that's my update. So okay. now you know. But please don't ask me about it all the time. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot I'm of pressure. I'm going to ask you every day. <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, yeah. so you seventeen days to go. Yeah, so I'll keep you updated. Should I ask Josh <laughs> if you want to? Does he know you're talking about it on here? Yeah, I told him I was like, "You're gonna have to let me open up about this," and he was like, oh, "Can we at least like get halfway before you <laughs> well, do?" You basically are. Oh so, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. No worries. Maybe you'll inspire some people. I'm not inspired. But- you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe by the end of it, I'll be inspired. Yeah. Who knows what will come from this? <laughs> anyway, moving on past this kind of talk. So, Mum, you can tune back in if you tuned out. Um, we have some kick updates, which is which is nice. The kick minis—they are so easy for me to fit into Just my routine. I'm obsessed. Why are you laughing still? Your mind is still on the. No, sex because challenge. it sounds like it's oh like you're God, doing the minis. minis like a mini. Oh my gosh, no! Don't put that out Sorry. there. Anyway, we have these kick minis. If you didn't tune in last uh, week with our episode, you might not know what I'm talking about, but we have launched five to 10 minute masterclasses into the app so you can get your movement done and fit it into your schedule. We've all got five to 10 minutes in a day. And then if you want to advance on another workout that you're doing or a run, you can always, oh my God, get your mind off the sex challenge. It sounds like you are promoting your challenge. (laughs) Like not the kick one. (laughs) 
Oh my God. All you need is five to 10 minutes a day. You well, can't advance. It's true. <laughs> you Please. will get more flexible. <laughs> Continue with the minis. Continue. Anyway, and if you would like to try Kick or you'd like to try these minis, we have a 14-day free trial at the moment, so it's a really good time to try. We'll put a link in our show notes. <laughs> Laura might need to take a break. Um, and you can sign up via the app or our website. And then outside of that, very exciting. We've been working with Noah from Noah Healthy Eats. And as you guys might already know, if you're part of the community, part of the Kick app, we release two recipes a week every Sunday. And for the month of August, those recipes are some special ones from Noah. And we're starting with the Easy Cheesy uh, Chicken Quesadilla. Which, I like the name of that one. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, which I'm very, very excited to have them on the app. Me too. Mm. And hope you keep enjoying the mini challenge and whatever other challenge you are doing this month. I will, thank you. Okay. <laughs> so now for today's episode, we are very lucky because we have got Dr. Libby Weaver with us today. Mm. Libby has been, or Dr. Libby has been a guest that has been requested by a you lot. guys so much. Yeah. So we are so excited to finally have mm. her on. We are going to be talking all about how, especially for women, there is this pressure to do it all and be amazing at everything at all times and put 110% into everything and the impact that that can actually have on us and especially stress. Mm -hmm. Today we wanted to read out something at the start of this chat that we know will speak to so many listeners. Something that a lot of us, and I'm looking over at Laura because I know she will be able to relate to, but also particularly mums, and it's been summed up very perfectly. Too many women today run themselves ragged in daily battle to get it all done and feel like this will never end. This perceived need to rush and the relentless pursuit to be all things to all people is causing detrimental changes to our health and leading to burnout. And they are the incredible words um, by Dr. Libby Weaver, who is our special guest today. Thank you for coming on the KickPod. How are you going? Um, very well. Thank you both. Thanks so much for having me join you. We're so ready for this chat. We need this. And I think there'll be so many people who would take so much out of it. And I think where we want to start, Libby, is this need for us to be superwomen. And you call it rushing women's syndrome. You've got an online course dedicated to it. What are people going to get from the course that you've created? So rushing, it's important, I think, to start off with by saying, obviously, rushing woman syndrome isn't a medical condition. It was actually the name I gave to a book I wrote back in 2011. And it was based on the an emerging trend I was seeing in women's health, uh, where women were trying to be all things to all people and their body was rebelling, if you like. So I was seeing more challenges for women with their periods, more challenges with sleep, more challenges with digestion. Like so many women coming in, they felt like even a glass of water would bloat them. And so I started to trace everything back really to its heart and really could see the dramatic impact stress was having on women's health. So I wrote the book Rushing Woman Syndrome and have since developed a course from it. And why do we do what we do, even though we know what we know? So we might know we need to go to bed earlier and we might know that eating half a tub of ice cream after dinner is not a great plan, but that our knowledge doesn't necessarily stop us. So I'm always really curious about the beliefs that lead to human behaviour. So that's the way I approach stress. It's super interesting, especially with stress. And I think stress is something that has become almost 
oh, it's hard to explain, but it's like you're just used to it. Like if I think about myself with stress, it's like, well, it's just something that comes with my job, so I've just got to get used to it. But obviously, I, I think it's something that I talk to my husband about a lot or more, so he talks to me, sometimes in like a lecturing way, is, is that, but I know he means it with love, is that uh, stress is actually something that is really bad for our health. So something that I really want to work on is I might not be able to, I suppose, change we, we can't like, I can't stop my job and obviously don't want, and I don't want to do that Please either. Don't. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. But I really want to work on my perceived stress and how to handle that better. So what impact can stress actually have on our body? And then I suppose, how can we, if we can't take out all of the factors that are, are causing stress in our lives, because obviously a lot of us are really busy and working and everything, how, how do we work on our perceived level of stress? Uh, so firstly, let's look at the first part of that, which is what does stress actually generate in the body? So there are two main stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. And we've got to look a little bit to human evolution to get the context of this. So science suggests that humans have been on the planet for somewhere between 150,000 and 300,000 years. And so if we allow that amount of time, that huge expanse of time to be represented by a one kilometre walk, the last 75 years, so since the back end of World War II, when so much has changed, so since the, the mid-1940s, that is one tiny step on that incredibly long walk. And so for all of the time in human history, adrenaline and cortisol have said to the body, your life is in danger and there's no food left in the world. And not enough time has yet gone on in human evolution for the body to be able to discern the difference between the adrenaline we make when there is a threat to our life, let's say a car drives out in front of us and we've suddenly got to slam on our brakes, we need adrenaline for that. But the other things that lead us to produce adrenaline in modern times, your listeners want to block their ears right now because caffeine leads the human body to make adrenaline, <laughs> our perceptions of pressure and urgency. And we make adrenaline when we perceive the disapproval of others. So I wrote a book called The Invisible Load and I did focus groups before I wrote that book. And with the younger group, I interviewed women between the ages of 18 and 25. And frequently in those groups, the two most common stressors, the biggest stressors were their body image and social media. So social media was a stress because it's one of the mechanisms through which they seek approval. So our stress essentially shows us where we are perceiving uh, well, where we might be perceiving the disapproval of others. So when we look at what's leading us to produce our stress hormones these days, the body doesn't yet understand that we're safe and that it's primarily psychological stress that's leading us to make adrenaline, but it still wants, the body wants to prepare us to escape from the danger. So the first thing it does is it increases our blood pressure. The second thing adrenaline does is it diverts the blood supply that's normally so fantastic to our digestive system. It diverts it away from digestion to our arms and our legs because if there's really a threat to our life, we need the blood in our arms and legs to fight the fight or get out of there. But that means digestion's compromised. So one in five women in Australia have irritable bowel syndrome. And sure, food plays a role in that, but so does this stress response and it's not talked about enough. The next thing that happens when we're making all of this adrenaline is it changes the fuel that our body perceives is safe and appropriate for us to use. So in any given moment, the body is always using a combination of glucose and fat. So our stress hormones have an enormous impact on the message the body gets as to which is the preferred fuel source. And when it's adrenaline, 
We need a fast-burning fuel to get us out of the danger that our body thinks we're in, and that fast-burning fuel is glucose. So we start, the body starts to prefer glucose to fat utilisation. Your body can slowly lose the efficiency it has to use fat as fuel, so body fat levels can go up. But secondly, it means that you're usually going to crave glucose, i.e. sugar, to top up this fuel supply that you keep burning through because of stress. So that's just adrenaline. I haven't even touched on cortisol yet, but there's some of the physical ramifications that happen with uh, that elevation in adrenaline. That is so interesting. And I think, so I have two things. Firstly, on the digestion thing, I, when I physically, when I am stressed, I either have zero digestion, like I just don't go to the toilet for ages, or everything I eat goes straight through me literally in five minutes. Like there's no in between. And so that I know is a physical sign for me. And then on, it's so interesting what you said about, you know, thinking about what others are thinking mm. and worrying and all of those things in social media. It's so true because I know if I'm un- avoiding an uncomfortable conversation, and I'm trying to make everything peaceful and calm and avoid confrontation and all those things. I feel sick and stressed. Where my mind took that was where I go wrong sometimes and where I think we all can go wrong sometimes is going back to, you know, a lot of what we're talking to is trying to be everything all at once. It's like you might be, you might, when you really think about it, if you're working with someone, you would like to come across as hardworking and um, driven and um, all of that. But then in the back of your mind, it's still a huge value of yours to be kind and, and all these other things. And so it's like you try and be every kind of person all in one to everyone that you speak to. And really all you need to do is kind of step. And that stresses you out because you're like, I need to have an assertive kind of conversation, but then I'm, am I not being kind? And then you just start stressing that you're not being all of these things. But the other thing I wanted to touch on um, was, and we're very lucky in the partnerships that we have with both of our husbands in that there is a very, very balanced approach to the way that we live together in our relationship and, you know, the house duties and all of that sort of stuff. And we are getting somewhere in the world that times are changing. But I still feel like there's this innate feeling within women that we have to do it all or that we have to have the burden of everything. Why do you think that is? Well, not that long ago. So it's only in the very, very, very recent past that women were given the opportunity to do what were traditionally their father's jobs. Uh, but a lot of women, thankfully it's shifting with your generation, but a lot of women maintained what were traditionally their mother's responsibilities. And so what unfolded for a lot of women was this frantic double shift of work day and night with very very little rest. And uh, it's really important, I think, for everyone to remember that we're completely capable. We can do all of those things. We're totally capable. It's just that the, the point I'm trying to make is we had never, ever asked our body to live like this before. That's the part that's brand new. And so when we feel like we need to be seen as hardworking and efficient and then at the same time nurturing and kind, we are all of those things. We're literally all of those things. However, it's tricky sometimes to bring all of those things to the same party. (laughs) And it can kind of mess with our nervous system's perception of our safety because it can disrupt that, that perception of approval. And so when we're doing those frantic double shifts, even though we might love that and relish that and, and we still might be sharing the load, Our body doesn't have a voice, so it will give us symptoms to let us know whether it's happy or not with our choices. And when we get feedback of discomfort or when we get symptoms that make us sad, 
or frustrate us. I see it as the body asking us to change something, change the way we eat, drink, move, think, breathe, believe, or perceive. Or sometimes it's a number of those areas. And sometimes it means using our voice and saying, I need more help with this around the house. I've got 6,000 things on my plate this week with work. There is no way I'm going to be able to attend to X, Y, and Z that I normally do. Can you step up and handle that? And so it's having that, that love and respect and care for each other's time and each other's health, I think, that can really start to change things, as you girls already do. I think, I mean, that's such good advice. And I think as well, even when I think to our, like my relationship with my husband, we have very, I, I couldn't be in a non-equal, I'd have a breakdown. I just, <laughs> I couldn't do it. But we do have a very equal relationship. But in some things, like organising family catch-ups, and birthday presents and things like that. I think there's still things that, and and I'm very open with my husband about this. I'm like, Mm. I feel like we won't see your family unless I text and organise it and book the time and, or like, we're not going to get your sister a birthday present unless I do it. And obviously we're going to give her a birthday present because like, that would be so mean. Mm. And I love his sister, so of course we have to. But I feel like that's still, the, the emotional load is is real. Mm. And I think it's it's important to talk up about it. And it's so funny when I spoke to Dalton about it, he was like, oh, well, I thought you liked doing those things. And I was like, of course I don't like doing them. They just, <laughs> they just have to be done. And so I think it's just one of those things that might not be a, you know, mopping the floor or cooking dinner or whatever, but, you know, thinking of what you're going to have for dinner, you know, thinking about when we're going to do the shopping, like all of those things are actually putting load on ourselves mentally, mm. which is obviously then making us feel stressed. And I know we're talking obviously because we can relate as as women, uh, but, you know, within a heterosexual relationship, it's also, as you said, Libby, about that kind of innate feeling in us. It wasn't that long ago in history that, you know, these duties weren't for us and the, this was a certain way that we lived. It's the same for men as well. And I often have to remind myself of that with my partner too. And and, and he does too. He's, he's a stay-at-home parent. You know, he grew up with his dad being the breadwinner of the family, working really hard and his mum being the stay-at-home parent. So it's taken some getting used to the idea of him doing that and not being the one kind of going out and working and all that sort of stuff. I mean, he still does stuff, but Sometimes I need to remind myself that your partner too is going through a similar struggle, different, but in the same way that it just doesn't feel natural sometimes and that's okay and it's just going to take some perseverance to go in that direction where hopefully, as you said, Laura, we can all be in like super equal relationships. And I think too, Steph, um, I love that you brought that to the table because it's so important um, to speak about it from that side as well. And I think it can really help when we know our own values. And when I say, when I use the word values in this moment, I don't mean ethical preferences like kindness. I'm talking about what does our life demonstrate that we value? So for example, when someone says to me, I don't have time for something, what they're really saying is that's just not a priority for me right now. And so I think if we know our values then we can link what we're doing on a daily basis to those values and have so much more fulfilment. Mm. We can pause and think, okay, well, my highest value is health or my highest value is family or whatever it is, and then link what you're doing in that moment to those values. It can really make a difference and also know that nothing's forever. It all changes, doesn't it? It's not all permanent. That's such good advice. And I think as well, something that just came up for me when you were speaking about gender norms and Mm how we want to be perceived is in terms of leadership and in any role at work. The 
kind of stereotypical traits of men versus women and, you know, if a man is, if, if he's in a meeting and he's leading it and, you know, he's really opinionated, then he's confident and like really knows, he knows the direction of the company. But then if a woman is in that position, often we're kind of looked at as bossy and we speak too much and we're arrogant. Um, and so I think that's something that I, and I know a lot of people really struggle with because it's like to sometimes, you know, if you want to get your point across and it's really important in the company and especially in, in my role as, as CEO at Kick, I have to be assertive. But then I leave the room and I feel a bit almost yuck, yuck, I don't know if that's the right word, but just uncomfortable about how I was because I'm so worried about how people are perceiving mm. me because I want to be perceived as, you know, kind and warm and caring, which obviously as, as leaders, that's something that I strive to be. But there are also times when you need to be assertive um, and bold and all of those things that as women, I feel like we feel uncomfortable about. Mm. And I think, Laura, it's remembering that none of those things are exclusive. So while your assertiveness may be on display in a meeting, mm. your warmth will always be present because I don't. it can't not be because it's part of who you are. Mm. So it's remembering that even though for you it might have felt like you went to the more extreme end of assertiveness mm. and the warmth might you might have felt like it was dialed back a bit, the warmth will still have been there. I don't think it would be possible for you to, I've only known you for a short amount of time, but I don't think it would be possible for you to not communicate with an element of warmth coming through in your nature. <laughs> so that's one thing I would say is the, the traits the, the traits are always there. I would also say that we need flexibility in how we can handle other people seeing us. And so if some if you come out of a meeting where you have spoken assertively, there'll be people in the room who receive that with immense gratitude because they'll think, okay, I'm really clear on, on our direction. I'm really clear on our structure because Laura was so clear in the way that she spoke. So they, based on their filters, based on their values, they will then see that assertiveness as either something that they welcome or something that they find challenging. But that's not about you, that's about them. So if they receive your assertiveness as confronting, it's their job that's their responsibility to go and dig into why that is. Why are they confronted by my CEO who's a female speaking assertively? So I, you do you and be true to that and utilise the traits that you have developed in yourself, which are brilliant and so important. Mm -hmm. And then for you, I would be we'll develop flexibility in how you can handle other people seeing you because they're going to see you however they want to see you. But your worth and your survival is not dependent on that. Thank that's you lovely. Got that? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I always think back to as well something that really helps me. I've got I've got two things that helps me in these moments. One being I read I I am very guilty of caring about what other people think of me and I've now tr you know what? I'm on a journey. Have not conquered yeah, it, but yeah. I try. What I try to do is um I read it was in Mark Manson's um, The Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, yes, shit. You, shit. No, I, I always forget which it. one it is. This is the best. Usually oh, she sorry. stops and she can't swear. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, in that book, he he had this page on how, you know, if you, one of your values is the, what other people think of you, you're, you cannot control that. Yeah. And so that is crazy. So I think to that, that helps. And then I also think to um, something that one of Brene Brown's most famous quotes about, you know, if someone is criticizing you and they're not in the arena with you, don't take their feedback. 
because I think that's it's so easy to criticize from the sidelines and say, oh, well, I would do it differently or what, you know, you're wrong. But unless they're in there with you, it's, and that also for me has been another thing that I kind of try and think of to let it go. But it is, goodness me, trying to release caring about what other people think is so hard. Yeah, it is. But it's, uh, as you say, it's a journey, isn't it? And we have to practice it. We understand about training the body. We, we can't just wake up tomorrow and suddenly do a marathon. We understand we have to train the body. Our mind is the same. And it's a, it's a train. We, mm. we need to retrain ourselves, uh, yeah, to, to not allow the way we feel about ourselves to be influenced by others. Absolutely. And I feel like life events also get you there yeah, along the way. I feel like since having Harvey, I've given less shit. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean I've let go of it completely, but it's helped. Um, so obviously we've spoken about how, you know, perception of others and that pressure can um, result in stress on the mind and body. What about just having so much to do with so little time? We're all living busy lives. What are some ways that we can be better at managing a busy life? Because obviously if we can kind of tackle that, that can help release some of the stress. Mm. So uh, firstly, we can't always delegate, but Sometimes we can. We can sometimes ask for help from the people in our lives, from our team members, from our family members, from friends. We can also remember that we can say no. And when we struggle to say no, I think it's really useful to think about, to to flip it on its head. So let's say you are drowning. You've got so much on your plate. The schedule is chock-a-block. And someone comes to you and says, can you help me with this? And every bone in your body is screaming, no. (laughs) But you find what comes out of your mouth is, sure, I'll help. And then you think, why did I do that? Because it's going to take me away from what I really want to be doing. We don't say no when we want to because, again, we're scared of what the person on the receiving end of the no is going to think of us usually. And so it can help to flip it around and think, okay, if I went to someone and said, can you help me with this? And they said, look, I'd love to, but I'm drowning what are you going to do? What are you going to say to that person? Oh, well, that's Mm. it. Friendship's over. No, (laughs) you'll usually say, I'm really sorry to hear that you have so much on your plate. And you'll probably end up saying, is there anything I can do to help you? (laughs) So it's almost as if we think friendships or relationships are going to be over, or we're going to be judged so harshly if we say no, when we wouldn't do that if someone said no to us. And if someone does do that, if someone does drop you out of their life, well, then it wasn't that solid in the first place. So we can make a difference by prioritising, by delegating, by asking for help, by feeling comfortable saying no when we really want to. Yeah, and just remembering that there are only 24 hours in a day and what do you want to do with them? I love that. That's mm-hmm. such good advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Libby, for for joining us on the podcast. We're so excited to finally have been able to have you on. And for all of your advice, I am so excited to re-listen to this and take a million notes. So really, really appreciate it. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me join you. I love what you share with the world. Thank you so much. And if you want to find out more from Dr. Libby Weaver or sign up to any of her online courses, you can do so at drlibby.com. We hope you enjoyed that episode. I got so much out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm already feeling less stressed. Well, that's good. Kind of. I just need to implement. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I have a list now. Yeah, good. What about you? Are you just fine? <laughs> no, I think I feel like I, I feel like I needed that um, just as much as anyone. But I really hope you guys, as listeners, took a lot out of that as well. We'll make sure we pop Dr. Libby Weaver's info in our show notes so you can find out more. And now for. Special share. What have you got to share with us for this week, Steffi? I am almost finished a book. 
called... <gasps> the one you bought at the airport? Yes, the oh. one I bought in Byron called Where the Crawdads Sing. And it's a novel by Delia Owens. And the only reason I picked it up is because our girl... Reese Witherspoon. Our girl. Yep. She doesn't know who we are yet, but one day. <laughs> one day, maybe. <laughs> one day. Uh, she produced the movie. So there's a movie that's just come out and it looks so good. Is that good. with her agency? I think her, so. So her production I think agency, so, yeah. yeah. An abandoned child. I had a family once. They called me Kaya. A little girl surviving in the marsh on her own, reviled and shunned. Sometimes I feel so invisible. I wonder if I'm here at all. You are. Being isolated is one thing. Being hunted, quite another. The Marsh girl, she killed him. The movie looks so good. Actually, the main actress in it is from... Normal People. Normal People. Daisy Edgar Jones. Yes. And so I was watching the uh, trailer and a lot of behind the scenes that Reese Witherspoon's been putting up on her socials um, about the movie and it just looked like something I'd really enjoy. But then I realised that it was based off a novel that that she read and really enjoyed, um, which is what she does for a lot of her movies she ends up um, producing. But it was one of those moments where I was like, I wonder if this is going to be one of those things where everyone says the book's not better than the movie. I don't want to say that because I'm sure the movie's going to be insane. But just one of those really nice experiences where you've like read all the detail in the story and then the movie lives up to all expectations kind of thing. I feel like I'm going to like the movie either way. But when I saw the book at the airport, I was like, you know what? I'm going to read the book before I watch it. And I think because I'd seen the trailer, I could kind of picture the actors and the setting. So as I'm reading, it's like it's like I'm reading through so nice. the, Yeah. Anyway, so I'm really excited to finish it. It's been amazing. The storyline's really cool and beautiful and I really love the way the book's structured and so I'm excited to see how Reese puts it together. Who are you going to the movies with? Do you want, do you want a friend? Me? I can come if you want. Oh, that's nice. It looks very intense to me though. I have to be honest. I did see the trailer. Yeah, but it's like still a beautiful story. Okay. It's well, not, if it's nice, you'll be I fine. can attend with you. You'll be fine. If you need a friend. Thank you. So my special day, I'm on a sport theme this week. Have you heard of CrossFit? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Obviously, you have. Like, you are very across the sports industry. It's what we do. (laughs) So, CrossFit, I always just thought of it as this is before I have watched these for like three years in a row. Mm. But it is called The Fittest on Earth Next Gen. Mm -hmm. We've got a little snippet. I go to the gym every single day. I treat my craft as a profession. I am just as professional, if not more, than another athlete that is going to a sport that has been around for hundreds of years. It's not about who's the toughest athlete, it's about who's the fittest. Okay, mm. so did you like the snippet? Do sure. you want to watch it? I mean, like, uh, yeah, yes, but no. It's, no. Not, <laughs> it's not watching people in the gym. No, it I is, get it. It is amazing because they actually honestly have to be the fittest people on earth because they have to go from like a five kilometer swim Mm. into like doing like a rope climb over the top into like 300 kilo deadlifts. Mm. And it's just, it is incredible to watch. It's an hour and a half. You get to know, or Mm. ish, you get to know some of their stories and what they're being through in their training. And it is a very well filmed documentary. Great. It, It just like shows you like determination and everything. Yeah. You know, if you're in a Commonwealth Games frame of mind, Watch that As you too. are. Yep. Sport <laughs> time. Anyway, I no, even if you don't like sport, I feel like you would like it. Yeah. No, it sounds good. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> okay, so that is all for the week. That is all. That is all. We shall depart from the microphones now. Stevie, can you roll us out? 
I sure can. We'll be back in your ears next Wednesday with another KeekPod episode. As always, you can find us on social media at KeepItCleaner, at Laura.Hensher and at Steph Claire Smith. And you can find our app on the App Store and Google Play as well. Bye. Bye. Bye.